you, we bless you, Jesus. Lord, I hope that uh, ultimately we hear beyond the sarcasm of that, and we, Lord, we find what you have for us. Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you teach us? Will you illuminate the Word of God? Will you exalt Jesus in our midst, in our hearts? Lord, I pray again that you would be seen, that your grace would be here, you'd speak to us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. This is probably the longest sermon title I've ever had. 13 Ways to Have a Miserable Life, subtitled How to Have a Horrible Life, Marriage, Family, and Relationships, Secrets to Having a Ton of Regrets and Leaving a Failed Legacy to the Next Generation. Yeah. I hope no one comes in halfway through this message because it's going to be real confusing if they do. So you guys will have to clear them up later. This is kind of a part two to my, uh, kind of as we launch into a new season, a new year, um, I'm actually kind of following up from last week. And uh, last week I talked about how to have the best life. Today was a natural uh, follow-up to have 13 ways to a miserable life. So I want to uh, change gears a little bit and uh, hopefully show you Um, how you can have a miserable life if that's what you're looking for. And hopefully you hear the sarcasm in this message. I hope you do anyway. It's going to be really, really bad for you. Uh, Don't don't miss what I'm trying to say. Um, Next week and the week following, I'll be talking about the vision of our church, who we are, what God has called us to. Um, And so if you are new and wondering what we're all about, I encourage you to be here if, you are, uh, if you've already been here, I, I, I hope that you can be here as well, just as we talk about a new season and, and fresh vision that God is, is speaking over the church. But 13 ways to a miserable life, and I want to say right off the bat that not one of these points includes being a Vikings fan, so <laughs> sorry guys, Redskins are playing today, they'll probably lose because I said that, so um, Doggone it, I was, I was kind of hoping the Vikings would win. I, I, that was a sad game, sad game. Um, it's interesting, you know, little lessons that we learn from, uh, from having a two-year-old in the house. And, and I'm just going to pause and reflect. This has nothing to do with the sermon. I just thought this was neat. Um, the other day I was uh, unloading the dishwasher, and Judah likes to help us unload the dishwasher now. And he's not, kind of, he's not quite got it a little bit. You kind of have to help him. But so this was, I was kind of in a hurry, so I didn't let him. And he just started weeping. And I'm thinking, what's the problem? Why can't we translate that into teenage years? I'm just, I'm just asking the question. <laughs> I'm just asking a question today of how would it be if your teenager walked in the house and you said, I've already, I've already done the dishes. And they just break down and weep <laughs> that we did not let them help. Lessons from a two-year-old. To get that, man, I wish we could translate that over. He wants to help so much. But today's message, it's a bit tied again to, uh, to last week, but it's also tied to vision for your life and for the church. But um, if, you're ha- if you're wondering how to have a miserable, horrible life, then, then you're in the right place. You'll want to take notes. But if you want the best life, you'll also see the sarcasm in this, and you'll want to pay attention to uh, 13 Ways to a Miserable Life. Number one, and we'll have notes up on the, on the screen here that will be coming. Um, number one, kind of cool. I li- yeah, good response. This is great. In all that you do, forget about Jesus. That's the most important thing. 
Remove Jesus from every part of your life if you want to be miserable. I know that the Bible talks about surrendering to Christ gives you true life. Jesus said that he came that he, we might have life. John 10, 10, he kind of gives his job description. He said, I came that you might have life abundantly. In 1 John 5, 12, it says, if you ha- he that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son has not life. And so this is the most important thing. If you're trying to have a miserable life, remove Jesus from every part of your life because he will give you life. He will give you peace, joy, and hope. But who wants that when you're shooting for horrible, right? I realize that true freedom is found in him, but isn't it more challenging and adventurous to try to figure out your own life by yourself? So to be truly miserable, don't surrender to him. Don't give any part of your life. In fact, a good addition to this is just just try to be religious and have a little Jesus on the side. Just have a little Jesus when you come to church. But you take control of your life. You're the driver. You're the pilot. You're the master of your own destiny. You call the shots. It's your life, right? And whatever you do in in, in, in aspect of surrendering, don't, don't, don't pray or read the Bible. That'll mess up everything. That'll mess up your goals to being miserable. That will give you life. It will give you intimacy with him. It will give you direction. It will speak to you, and it will ruin your chances of being miserable. Relationship with Jesus will transform you. It'll change you into a new creation. That's the promise of Scripture. The Holy Spirit will come on and take residence of you and he will make you new. Your life, your marriage, your family, your relationships will be wonderfully made new. But that's not what we're aiming for, right? So let's go for miserable. So in all that you do, this is the most important. Forget Jesus. Forget about Jesus. Number two, be ungrateful. I realize the Bible says to be thankful in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 It even says this is God's will in Christ Jesus, so we would not want that. Who wants God's will when when your desire is to be miserable? In fact, here's what you need to do to be miserable. Focus on what you don't have. Focus on all the times that God didn't answer your prayers the way you wanted him to. In the process of this, please forget about all the wonderful things and the people that that you, that you have in your life and have an unhealthy obsession on all the things that are wrong in your life. It's a great habit for a miserable life. Number three, tied to that, be negative. I do realize the Bible in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says rejoice always, be joyful always. But here's the question, can anyone really do that? Joy is a choice, so choose not to be joyful and choose negativity instead. Find something wrong with everything. True misery is found in being dictated by your circumstances and your feelings. So let this be your motto. True joy can only be found when my circumstances are good. That is a path to misery. Number four, with being negative, Grumble and complain. 
You're shooting for miserable, right? This is how to do it. Grumble and complain. James 5, 9 says this, so I'm trying to give you something to steer clear from. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. That sounds real fearful, but if you're shooting for misery, do the opposite. Grumble and complain against one another. Sometimes you just need to get things off your chest, right? The best way to do that is to get Surround yourself with like-minded people who are negative as well and enjoy grumbling and complaining together because that, 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 that helps in this process. If you don't like what's happening, grumble about it. It will kill your heart quickly. Please do not pray about it. I'll repeat this. Don't pray about it and ask God to help you. But here's a great way to grumble spiritually. Gossip about it, gossip about it in the form of a prayer request. Number five, don't repent and never admit you're wrong. Don't repent and never admit you're wrong. Repentance to God and others is one of the greatest ways to walk in freedom and bring refreshing to your soul. So whatever you do, don't do that. In fact, justify your wrong attitude. If you look for justifications for your wrong attitude, you'll find a hundred or maybe a thousand. Other people wronged you, so you have the right to do the wrong that was done to you, right? Don't ever say, I'm sorry. If you're shooting for miserable, don't ever say you're sorry. It's hard to admit that you're wrong, so just don't do it. In fact, culture gives us permission not to admit that we're wrong. It gives us justifications and excuses of why we're not wrong. Because it's all about us anyway, right? So don't repent and do not admit you're wrong. I know that James says to confess your faults to each other so that you might be healed, so don't do that. If you're going for the awful life, you don't want healing. Acts 3.19, Peter's preaching, he says, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And who wants refreshing when you're searching for miserable? Number six, going to the next page. Let's see what kind of cool, ooh, nice. You guys are an awesome crowd today. Don't forgive. This is what Jesus says, so you know, I'm just trying to steer you clear from that if you're shooting for miserable. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you're shooting for miserable, the justification is you have a right to not forgive because you're justified for that. Jesus commands us to forgive as he has forgiven us. But if having regrets is your goal, you must not give in to his commands. If you forgive, you'll have freedom in your heart. You'll become closer to Jesus through it. You will mend relationships, but that isn't our goal this morning. Misery is. So don't forgive. Number seven, do not serve and demand to be served. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking 
to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Let's do the opposite of that. Do everything out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Don't choose humility and pride. Value yourself above others. Look out for your own interests and ignore the, the, the interests of others. Do not follow Jesus' example of being a servant. He said he came to serve. The Son of Man came to serve and not be served and to give up his life. If you're going for failure, don't do that. If you're going, especially miserable relationships, don't serve other people. Demand that they serve you. Don't look for others' interests, but be consumed with your own. Put yourself first because guess what? Our society says this, you deserve it. You deserve it. Don't serve your family, your friends, or strangers. Remember, it's all about you, and the world revolves around you if you're going for miserable. Don't look for areas to serve in the church, and whatever you do, do not be proactive. Unless you can be seen of men, then be proactive, if that's what you're shooting for. Number eight, whatever you do, don't be humble. The Bible says God honors the humble, and true humility precedes true honor. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. But who wants to be lifted up by God if you want to be miserable? Jesus said that you should take the seat of humility and be honored that way. But I say if you're going for miserable and you're going for horrible, push your way to the front. Knock everyone else aside that are around you and rush to the front of the line. Promote your agenda. Everyone around you will run the other way and God will oppose you. And isn't that what you want in a miserable life? Pride leads to destruction. It will destroy your life and your life will crumble around you. Number nine, don't be accountable. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Don't be accountable. Accountability keeps us grounded and safe. But if we're shooting for a regret-filled life, don't have anyone in your life to ask you the hard questions. Live isolated where no one has permission to speak into your life. Don't be accountable. If you want to go for miserable, do not be accountable. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Let's go to the next one. Don't be teachable. Proverbs 9, 9, give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. This goes with the others. You don't have to be accountable because you know everything already. You don't have to be teachable. Embrace pride because that will keep you from receiving. In the part of this, reject authority and anyone that may not agree with you. Don't study the word and don't humble yourself to listen to what others may have to teach you. Don't be teachable. In the miserable life, you know everything. Number 11, speak death. If you want to kill your marriage, this is a good one. If you want a miserable life, miserable marriage, this is awesome. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of death and life. 
and those who love it will eat its fruit. And if that's, so, if that's true, and you're shooting for miserable, and you're shooting for horrible, choose death. Choose to speak words that are deaths. Choose to speak words that are harmful, that criticize, that hurt, that are painful. Don't guard your tongue, as the Bible says. That will help you kill your relationships and keep, you, keep joy from your heart and those around you. So speak death if you're shooting for miserable. Number 12, live offended. Live offended. Offense is one of the biggest baits of Satan. It was written in a book a few years ago. And so if you are shooting for the miserable life, bite into that bait with all you've got. Because here's the thing, you will get offended. People will hurt you. People will wrong you. People in your life will make mistakes. So to be miserable all your days, hold on to that offense and that grudge and never release them from it. Be bitter, be angry. Remember to have regrets. And remember you have the right to be offended. And here's a verse to stay away from if you're shooting for that. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Don't do that. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another if any one of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That will bring you joy. That will bring you freedom. That will heal your relationships. So don't do that. And the last one, and then I'm going to wrap up. Don't mentor, minister, or connect with anyone. This is kind of a launch into where we'll be going in the next two weeks. I know that Jesus says that we're supposed to go and make disciples of all nations. The mission of Jesus when he came was to seek and save that which was lost. But if you're shooting for miserable, do not mentor, minister, or connect with anyone. I know that people need Jesus that are out there, we live in a generation that is fatherless and motherless. Paul says this. He said, you have many instructors in Christ, but not many fathers. But here's the thing. Let them fend for themselves because we want to shoot for miserable. I know that the church has a mission to touch people's lives, but why care about those people? Isn't the church for us and our personal preferences? Isn't that why the church exists for me? So if you're shooting for miserable, don't be on mission with Jesus. Don't make disciples. Think about yourself and do not think about others at all. So in closing, I want to wrap this up. I hope that you caught the sarcasm of those 13. Um, I believe the Lord is challenging us to the antithesis of these things. He's created you and I to have life, to have it to the fullest, but he wants us to do it his way. We like to talk about God creating us for a purpose and destiny, and, and he has, and, 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 and we have to grab hold of him and surrender to him like never before to, to find what that means. It's about bringing glory to the name of Jesus. The church exists not for us. The church exists to bring people to Christ. We have a lost, we have a broken, a dark world 
all around us. In a lot of ways, I think the church has forgotten about why we exist. And I think if you see the antithesis of these 13, as we, as the church, we begin to lead the way because, you know, the world sees all of these things. They see miserable. They live lives that forget about Jesus. They, we live in an ungrateful society that's unthankful for anything. Jesus said that about the last days. He said there will be people be unthankful. We live in a world that is very negative. We live in a world that grumbles and complains, and when we don't get things our way, we, 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 we constantly focus on what we don't have. We live in a world that says and culture feeds us the lies that we are, we are justifiable not to repent or not to admit we're wrong, and we find reasons why not to say I'm sorry. We justify not forgiving. We live in a world that demands to be served and makes it life all about themselves. We live in a world that is not very humble. We live in a world that rejects accountability and having people speak into our lives. We live in a world that's unteachable. We live in a world where negative words are spoken all the time and people live offended And here's the problem is a lot of those things have crept into the church and that's why the world looks on and they say, we have all this out here. I don't want to come into your midst and find the same thing. And so we have to shine the light of Jesus and have the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us to live more like Christ. And to be different to a lost and dying world so that they will find him and know him. One of the things that I am studying and kind of preparing my heart for over the new year is, is that people find authentic Jesus. And that, that phrase has been on my heart as I've been praying. And I think a lot of times we've seen people reject Christ or reject God or you know reject the church not and I don't so much think that it's that they are rejecting Jesus I think that they are rejecting forms of Jesus that the church has made but my heart's desire is through this place through my life is that people find the authentic Jesus because he has the power to transform lives and to make people into new creations and prepare them for eternity. Because whether the Lord returns soon or not, we're rapidly moving, guys, even just in natural life. You blink and 20 years goes by. So we're, none of us here will live forever. It won't happen. And so we live for eternity with keeping our eyes on Jesus and then we look at these 13 things, and obviously we don't want to be miserable, but we say, Lord, I don't, I don't have time to live that way, but I want to live your way. I'm going to live consumed with you. I'm going to live with authentic Jesus in my heart. Again, not that that makes the church 
perfect, but it reveals to the world that you come in here, we're broken like you, we need Jesus like you, we're desperate like you, and Jesus has the answers. And he's the only one that has the answers. So let's not have a miserable life. Let's find out what God is doing and surrender our hearts to him. Give him our lives and be humble, be accountable, be teachable. Speak life. Don't live offended. Forgive quickly. You're going to have, you're going to have lots of opportunity to forgive because people will let you down. Be thankful. When you feel like being negative or grumbling and complaining, have the, just ask the Lord to hold, hold, hold your tongue. Lord, I, you know my flesh wants to say it, but I don't want to say it. Give me strength. Take the initiative and repent and be reconciled with people. The Bible says, as far as it's concerned with you, be at peace with all men. Admit when you're wrong. It's okay to say, I'm sorry. It's very powerful to say, I'm sorry. But if the Lord puts something on your heart, make those relationships right. Because I tell you, as the world sees the love that we have one for another, that's one of the things that Jesus said would reveal Christ to the world is that we are commanded to love each other, to bear with one another. And so the world comes in, they don't see us perfect, but they say, you know, you guys had a little problem, and you guys, I saw you restore that, and you guys repented and said you were sorry. That, that's the real life of Christ being worked out in the church. And serve. Look for, look for places to serve and what God's put on your heart to reach out, to mentor someone, to love someone, to make disciples of someone. I heard a guy say one time, he said, we all need, we all need a Barnabas, a Timothy, and a Paul in our lives in relationship. The Barnabas is the, the guy that partnered with Paul. He was an encourager, and you come alongside. That's that accountability. You need people to speak into your life and to say, you know what? I give you permission to ask me hard questions. I, I give you permission to confront you, confront me, and then when you do, I'm not going to get lash out and get mad at you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to process what you're saying, and we can talk about it and have relationships and be real with each other. That Barnabas relationship... The Timothy relationship is to have somebody under you that Paul to Timothy to reach down to the next generation and say, I want to pour life into you. I want to not just pour tradition, but I want to pour the life of God into you and what God can do in the gospel of Jesus. And not just get to an age to think that now I'm retired from ministry. You never retire from ministry. And there are people, fatherless, motherless, Paul says that. You have many instructors in Christ, but not many fathers. And there is a world that needs spiritual moms and dads to say, we are for you, we're going to pour life into you. And we need Pauls in our life. That's the Timothy looking up to Paul, somebody that's more mature in the faith and say, you know, I want to learn from you. I don't ever want to stop learning. I want to, I want to learn what God did in your life and, and how you walk that out and, and tell me 
what God did in your life when you went through some of those rocky roads and what, what, what happened, who is Jesus to you, and to look for those. But guess what? You have to do it. You have to initiate those relationships. Because I think we're all well-meaning, but we, 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 we don't do it because we, we, we have to be intentional to do it. God, help us as we move forward to what he has for us. I think that's all I have. Let's pray. Jesus, in looking at so many of these things, Lord, I, in my own life, Lord, I just have to just repent and, and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for justifying so many of these things that I've done. Or I've been critical. I've been ungrateful. I've focused on the wrong things. Justified my attitude at times, and Lord, it just wasn't right. Lord, I just pray for us today as the church of the Lord Jesus that we would right now just fix our gaze upon Jesus and we would fix our gaze upon the cross. The place of the cross where the brutality of the judgment of sin was cast upon the Son of God. And that was our sin that put him there. Not just the big sins, not just murder, not just those things that we like to classify as the biggies, but my bad attitude, my critical spirit, my greed, put him on the cross. Lord, I pray that we would gaze upon the cross like never before. We would see you, Jesus, with new eyes. Lord, I pray that we would even in trying to be a little bit clever with this message today, God, is that we would see that, that, Lord, you created us for abundant life, that we would not live the miserable life, that we would get the word of God in our hearts, oh God, that you invite us to life more abundantly in Christ. Lord, I pray that we would make a difference, that we would be a light in this dark world, that people would see authentic Jesus in our midst. And that people would come to know you and we would prepare our hearts for eternity because, Lord, it is coming. I pray that we would be ready. I pray that we would continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome day. Don't be miserable, please. <laughs>